0: This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now as a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters. We're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Tallulah Willis is an artist, designer, and mental health advocate. After challenges that the last year brought all of us, at 26 years old, she bravely moved forward launching Willis, Willis with a Y, her thoughtfully designed clothing line whose pieces nod to 1940s silhouettes. Tallulah aimed to create a collection that fully embodied not only her style, but what's important to her, and she married the two in a way that's really working. Her untethered authenticity allowed her to succeed in creating a one of a kind vision. She's introduced the world to something entirely unique, and I can't wait to see how it and she evolve. When they say someone has grown up quickly, that's Tallulah. She lived hard and fast for a while and has since gotten sober. One thing's for certain, Tallulah may have hit the brakes on partying, but her mind is full speed ahead. She's smart, articulate, and in touch with her feelings. She experienced an upbringing filled with major moments of creativity, Each of her world-famous parents, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis, possess talents that reach far past stage and screen. On this podcast, we talk about that creative immersion. We also talk about her creative partnership with her current boyfriend. We talk about her mother as a collector and her epic clothing archive, one that helped Tallulah tap into her own skills and flair for fashion. We discuss Tallulah's journey to sobriety, how she approaches her mental health, and how that's woven through her ready-to-wear collection that takes on the extra task of making the wearer feel a little less alone. We discuss inspiration and influences, both good and bad. We talk all the steps for how Willis came together, what's next for the brand, and I didn't think to end the conversation without getting her to share what she's reading, watching, wearing, and more. Here's my conversation with our cover star, Tallulah Willis. Hi.
1: Hi. Sorry about that wait. I was having some trouble getting my Wi-Fi going. There's
0: no no real weight. How are you?
1: I am wonderful. I'm just sitting with my pups on the couch. We just had a great lunch. We did a photo shoot this morning, so I had to wake up really early. So I'm a little like
0: We um we did that a few days ago. I had to <laughs> I had to drive to New Jersey. For a seven thirty a.m. call time. So, oh
1: my god! Yeah, where was early. your
0: shoot?
1: It was downtown. It wasn't Jersey, so <laughs> that that's a drive. No, it wasn't that bad. Um, but it was great. It was really it was a short little shoot. We got this model that we'd been wanting to work with for a while. Um, and so she was available, so we just booked it, and um, it was great. She was amazing.
0: That's great. I mean, the models are so important, aren't they?
1: Oh yeah, and like you know the because they're the energy of like the clothes and what you're doing. And, and she was so sweet. Her name is Lulu. She was so wonderful. It was just such, it was, a, it was quick. It was like three hours, not even. And it was just a great, you know.
0: I love the diversity, obviously, of models that you use and we'll get into your inclusive sizing. And there was one that you posted today um, of that butterfly set. Yes. Love that.
1: I, so that's what what we were shooting this morning. It was, uh, we released our um, legging and bra top set and um, it looked amazing on her. So that
0: was Lulu, the blonde by the pool. Oh, Mm -hmm. it was so cute. Um, All right, Tallulah, uh, let's get into it. Wonderful. So I'm, I'm considered kind of the creative person in my family and you grew up surrounded by creatives. Yes. what was what was that like? can you Can you recall a distinct memory of being deeply immersed in a creative moment as a child? Oh wow, great question.
1: Um, <laughs> I think that there it's hard to pinpoint one necessarily creative overarching moment. I think that there was constantly creativity. I do have one memory that is sort of flashing into my mind for some reason, but I was- um, what I was thinking,
0: like is there something that flashes into your mind?
1: Yeah, so when I was in, God, I wanna say first or second grade, we were doing a project in Spanish class where we all had to be an animal and you would dress up that day when you did your presentation and I was a duck. And I remember that you were supposed to make your costume at home. And I was expecting, like, paints and, like, you know, white with a bill, kind of like a little Donald Ducky. And my mom was like, no, 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 and came up with this insane, like, feathered Mardi Gras mask and, like, these, like, silk, like, you know, almost like handkerchief cut edged, like, drapey things and, like, fitted me out to be this, like, fancy girl hot couture duck like reinterpreted
0: the duck costume
1: reinterpreted the duck costume you know and so that was kind of the energy because there were always these real work projects going on but it was those little moments of of creativity that I think really stuck with me and really helped grow my aesthetic and the flip side of that is growing up with such you know both of my sisters are really really talented singers and have a lot of innate Gifts and are really beautiful writers and and visual artists. And so there was a little bit of, I would say, being the youngest and kind of seeing, you know, a lot of people already in full fleshed out developmental stages of, like, developed stages of creativity, that there was pressure, not spoken, but that I put on myself to kind of figure it out. Like, well, I know I want to do something creative. I know I have this spark in me. I know I want to create something but what is it and because my desires or my skills or my hobbies or interest like whatever that is it it didn't feel as as um clear you know I didn't rest in just like oh I sing or oh I do visual art you know it required a little more finessing and I think that's why Willis came to be you know like in my later 20s, because it took a long time to isolate what I loved. And then once I figured it out, it was like, well, how do we do this?
0: You know? Yeah. I'm going to ask you all about that. Um, that makes so much sense. Um, yeah. Some people are born, you know, with a voice and, or have, you know, playing the piano, you know, they they have a musical ear and, um, You know, I don't know. I I, it's kind of similar to me in a way. Like I, I always loved fashion, and it well, it didn't take me that long, but it took me a while to realize it wasn't a hobby that it was like what I wanted to do with my life. Um, And your boyfriend Dylan, who shot our cover story of you, is a director and a photographer, another creative, another creative in your life. How do you guys inspire one another? I know that you do. God,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that what's been really special is so Dylan moved in about two months ago, and you know, thank you sharing our space together and figuring out even like aesthetics, like from what kind of dinner plates we have to furniture choices and art choices, and and you know, making those decisions with each other is kind of i think the baseline of then starting projects um you know obviously we're in a time right now which can be difficult for creatives in general but particularly like a director photographer how do you shoot how do you shoot so i think that um we've had a lot of fun you know we were uh on a trip a couple months ago to his family's house in cape cod so and fun. So beautiful. It was so fun. And not only was it great because he got to show me where he grew up and show me all these little secret, I mean, it's beautiful there, these like beach yep. spots and all these little nooks and crannies. But, you know, we ended up sometimes just even on iPhones, just like always shooting some great photos of where we were, you know. Yeah, they, were. And they
0: were beautiful. I saw some of them on.
1: Thank Instagram. you. And, you know, I think what's really interesting in terms of the photography element is. You always want, well, first and foremost, you want to see yourself in the best light. It can be a struggle, but you want to see yourself in the best light. And I think secondary, you right. want a partner to see you in the best light, you yeah. know? And yeah. I think that having to release that, not release, but having to find acceptance in like the days that I don't feel my best, hmm. him still seeing me as something precious and lovable and beautiful and worthy and that can come through his eye of, of being a talented photographer and wanting to take that picture and you know I think that I I love that I inspire him and I'm so inspired by his aesthetic and we constantly send you well I'm really bad at looking but he laughs, <laughs> at me because I never open his dms but he is always sending me just like instagram mood basically like a constant thread of like a mood board
0: like kind of like a living move like a stream of of consciousness
1: exactly of like you know he exposes me to such amazing art and such amazing music and such amazing like creatives and i think that the life that he's lived up until meeting me is so lush and so beautiful that there's a deep well to to pull from. And I'm really utilize his opinion and aesthetic, especially with a lot of Willis decisions.
0: Who uh, has been the greatest influence on your own personal style? Would you say?
1: Oh my goodness. I would say, I mean, it's so cheesy, but so much of it was probably my mom, you know, it it really was because she is constantly shifting and evolving her style and has, but is also a hoarder. So right. she has kept every iteration of like vibe that she's ever had. So it was always yeah. having access to pop like,
0: through. You grew up with an archive of fashion.
1: No, ge- genuinely I did. And we still have it. And, and, you know, she introduced me to like a fifties day dress or like, the sharp profile of a 40s coat. You know what I mean? Like that's where I really started to see and and we connect so deeply on our love of vintage and our love of putting things together. And like you were saying, like I thought that styling or that putting clothes or pieces together was like a hobby. I, I thought right. it was something that I just enjoyed until I realized, oh, I really love this. How do I make it work? And, you know, so... With my own personal style, I think that it's funny because I draw so much esteem and grounding from personal aesthetic, but I'm also in quarantine where all I want to do is wear sweatpants and I right. just shave my head and my hair looks weird or like it does. You know what I mean? So right. right. I'm, I'm currently sitting in a discomfort of my personal aesthetic, however, historically I can acknowledge that it does I, I've always felt like clothing is armor yeah. clothing is, is what can change your day you know it's can give you that pep and we had a birthday party so Rachel, who is my brand manager it was yeah. her uh, we did um, her boyfriend's birthday her. Uh, a couple weeks ago and I don't think we had left the house and like God far too long to admit. Right. No, I get it. And I I... had not put on anything but sweats. And so I was like, you know what? Like, let's dress up. Like, let's really, like, let me, I even put on like a look, like an outfit. And I slapped on some hot pink patent pants and like a little tank and like a cute new sweater that I had no, you know, not worn yet. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I forgot how much. Completely. I I love this. Or what, you know, the feeling of silk can feel like and change your day, or a pattern can change your day. Yeah, I, and- I
0: love how you're so like connected to and deeply affected by clothing. I think that's really interesting, and I think it's very true. You know, um, it's funny because, like, on that note, it's you know, same sort of thing. Like our lives have changed so much we're not utilizing our wardrobes in the same way that we used to. Like I went went out the other day and I'm like, why do my feet hurt? And it was because literally, because it was the first time I put on a pair of like heeled boots and they were like, right. They were like block heeled boots. They were like, and it just was like, Oh, that's right. And then the other day too, I was like walking around and I got like totally swept up by like the Isabel Morant store. And I went in and I bought this bag and three pairs of earrings. And then I kind of took a step back and I'm like, but where exactly am I? Bringing this, wearing this, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny it's, how it's
1: things. interesting, also, in trying to be on the other side of it of trying to promote, yeah, clothing yeah. and seeing where I should pivot given the climate. Because we came out of the gate with like party shoes, right? right. You know, right. our first shoes our only shoes right now, but the shoes we dropped are like not your everyday uh, yeah. hair, and so. It was like, we launched in COVID and I'm asking people to buy party girl shoes. Yeah, they're like, they're very cute.
0: Your shoes are very, I love your shoes.
1: Thank you. And I'm someone who's like, great, let's play dress up at the house. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it is, it is, I'm I'm not, it's not lost on me that that can be a hard ask, you know? But we're getting Um,
0: back. I think we're getting back and it's. Yes. It's temporary.
1: No, I think that there is an instilled, potentially optimistic energy that's that's resurging, and yeah, that's true. But it's uh, I I cope through shopping. I'm a big shopping addict, and I'm, you know what is it? Uh, retail therapy. I subscribe heavily to it, and you, too. you know some of the things that I've had to pivot from from clothing is now like. What pots and pans do I buy? Like what? Things for the house. Yeah. Like stuff that I'm like, I still need to utilize this aesthetic. Like Dylan and I were laughing because I was trying to explain my reasoning for buying this slightly more expensive fish shaped sponge for the sink. And (laughs) he was like, okay, but we can just get like a normal sponge. And I was like, but here's the thing if I have the fish shaped sponge, I will be more inclined to wash the dishes. Right. Because That's it's right. beautiful. Right. It's a beautiful thing. And I love the beautiful things. And so I I've, get it, you know, when I've come to the place at 26, I know, I, I think you start to know yourself. I think you, you yeah. start yeah. to see these patterns really kick in. And it's like, if it's beautiful or I think it's beautiful I'll want to be involved with it, whatever that means. And that's that's just for me to decide what's beautiful. Yeah. It's not universally decided. And, and that's what I love about personal style is that it's just your decision. Well, you, know? I,
0: you're, you're, you, see, you seem to be a very aesthetically sensitive person. And yes. So my next question for you is, how important are your surroundings to you being your most creative self? I mean- do you pick up energy from, a, like, a room or a... Oh, my God. If I'm kind of in, like, a plain white room, like, I feel off or, you know... I am,
1: I am so sensitive to my surroundings. I I mean, energetically, I am very empathic. So I have, like, started to adapt, like, a mild form of agoraphobia, agoraphobia because I finally not done but I finally got my place to look a little more like my brain
0: yeah and so
1: now I'm like well wait I don't want to leave because this is safe and you like for example I I don't do work well I should I can do it but going to an office space or or sitting at a table with a computer like that's not how my brain works like I we have this couch that I call we just call blue couch. I'm currently sitting on it Yeah, and it's the restoration hardware cloud couch, but I can, f- it's, it's modular. So you can configure it in any way, but I configured it as a giant square. So yeah. you can recline fully I on love it.
0: it. I love it. And I so, modular, a, yeah, I love it. And
1: it's, it's so comfortable and I never want to leave. And like every big it, major decision, everything I do is like on blue couch. It's like my office space because I want to be in my cozies. That's I want to so be funny. reclined that's and so I funny. want, and that's where I can be creative because if I'm uncomfortable, if I'm too hot, too cold, like it's, I've, I've, I've decked it out in this, you know, time period where I have my little setup and I get very st- stuck in this is what I need to like really let my mind soar and go there, and yeah. yeah I mean and you know I was in the office today and I love going to our office downtown um, and you know I you can get a lot of work done and there's a lot of fabric choice picking and a lot of all of that but the real design phase of okay I mean I'm, I'm starting fall 2021 like what, what do we do it all comes from blue couch
0: I totally get it. I have, it's, I have this modular couch that I was looking for for a really long time. And I finally found it at this place on the Bowery. I don't know what I'm going to do if like the fabric gets ruined or whatever. I'm right. Gonna, oh, right. To, like, but I, there's a part of the couch that I call the nook of the universe. It's like the same thing as that you're talking about besides blue couch. Where else do you feel most creative?
1: I would say I feel really creative. Um, when we have the time to go to Idaho. Yeah. Because I think that there is a stillness there, you know, it's, it's not seeing me, not that you're seeing friends now, but you know, it's so peaceful and calm and beautiful. And there's just this echo of nature. And, and I'm, re- cause I'm so inspired by like, you know, earth and structures and rocks and moss and, and that's all really present there. And so when I can pull from that and, and kind of get into that place as well as, you know, it's, it's just cozy. It's just home. I think that I do the best when I feel safe and when I feel close to people that I love um so that's probably secondary of is it the, so it, it, when you're pervative. in
0: Idaho, when you're in idaho it's it's more outdoors than indoors or is there a place on the property that
1: i mean it's it's definitely a, well we were there in the summer recently it's, it's already snowing snowing there so now if we go back we wouldn't be able to do as much outdoors besides you know a bundled up walk but you know, you're sitting in the living room and we have this, like, crazy fireplace that's made out of stone and the fire's going and, you know, it's like these pine wood floors that have been there for decades and, like, they're mm-hmm. worn yeah. in and there's, like, all these, like, funny tchotchkes everywhere. Like, there's... My mom's decorated it with just, like, stuff everywhere in the best way, you know? Right. Um, and so I would say in the living room there is probably... The most creative.
0: Switching gears, you're really open about both your mental health struggles and struggle with alcohol and drugs. We just talked about surroundings being important to being your best creative self. And what about people? I mean, who who we surround ourselves with is so important. Have you had to cut people out of your life since becoming sober? Or who do you choose to surround yourself with these days?
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, my journey into, you know, my journey of well-being, you know, which started with sobriety, but is continuing always it's ever evolving. Um, my, my grouping of people has really narrowed. And that's something that I'm quite grateful for because I spread myself very thin and I was definitely a people pleaser where I was just grateful if somebody wanted to talk to me versus having that self worth to say, well, do I want to be around you? Like you're choosing me, but I don't know if I'm choosing you.
0: Right. And
1: when I was able to shift that a little bit and, and be a little more comfortable saying no or expressing if I, you know, didn't like something or not having to sit in a discomfort just because it was more polite, um, I found such a greater room to breathe. And so I've had to say goodbye to some friends. I've had to, like I said, narrow the group. And and what's left is some really spectacular people. And yeah. also, like, you know, when my tank, when I had so many people around me, my tank would get emptied so often. And now I feel a little bit more capable of giving you know, that energy to people who are deserving of it, who have earned that attention because I am such a force of a friend. I, you know, it's ride or die to the 10th, you yeah, know, yeah, totally. like I, I will do anything for the people I love. I will literally do anything. I, I will show up. I will be there. But I was doing that for everyone I met and yeah. that's just not sustainable. Yeah, and, yeah. I think that the other thing is I added a person to the friend group, which is so cheesy, but I, I added myself, you know, right. like I, I, I was able to start trying to treat myself the way I treated all these people and show up for that friend and that person. And, and what's been really great in some of the work I've done is I always felt like it was harder to show up for the big version of me. But when I imagined myself as like a little kid, you know, and I have two little sisters who are, oh, oh God, six and eight, I think. Um, and I imagine myself their age, you know, of course I want to show up. I want to protect. I want to be there. I want to champion them. And it's a little easier to allow myself to be in the group of people.
0: That makes so much sense. And yeah, I, I think, you know, you can, you know, a lot of us, you can find yourself saying yes to things and yes to people. And you're like, am I really, you know, you're choosing me, but am I choosing you back? That makes so right. much sense. That makes so much sense. Can you pinpoint, tolu the moment when you realized that you were feeling feelings in extremes?
1: Mm. God, let me think. That's a good question. Um, I'm trying to kind of think back about like the first or like a big moment. Um. You know, I just, I remember, I remember being young, really, really young, and I can't remember like what the scenario was or what was going on, but the feeling of being really aware of how my behavior or my actions would affect somebody and that that was important to me.
0: Right. You know,
1: like that is really present and has been present since littlest of ages. You know, I, I would say that there was kind of a switch on of consciousness. And when that happened, it was, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know, and and I, that was very big for me and has carried me since like three years old, you know, like I, I don't want to upset somebody. I don't want to hurt their feelings. And I think that because I've always been very attuned to energy shifts and mood and other people and being able to read people very well, I really didn't like it if not just I saw someone upset, but if I knew I caused that, you know, that I was very aware to, you know, I I, learning to apologize, you know, learning how to take responsibility. And I think that was something that my parents really taught us early, um, is how to be accountable and, and how to show up and, and take responsibility for your behavior.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you believe that your use of alcohol and drugs was a way of dealing with undiagnosed mental health issues?
1: Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think that, you know, I really encourage and advocate for people who are feeling, uncomfortable to pull the thread a little bit and explore it because I didn't know any of my diagnoses diagnoses until I would say concretely um
0: two years ago two and a half years ago that's not very well and that's that's probably about the right age right I mean you said it a little earlier you're starting to kind of come into your own and Right, but I've been told that I,
1: from what I've described, that I have had depression since I was nine. Right. And so to live that many years with significant depression, significant anxiety, levels of OCD, um, intrusive thoughts, all of that, and never have a name for it for okay. years and years and years as right. a kid, is, hor- is it was terrifying. It was terrifying. Right. And I, you know, you feel... Alone, You can't imagine that somebody else understands it or feels the same way. It was also, I think I grew up right on that, you know, cut off before social media really took off. You know, it was before Instagram. No one was talking about mental health. No one was saying these are the signs. You didn't have access to it. It was kind of just like you didn't talk about it.
0: And And you're this little child sort of like figuring out like just how to deal with it. And just, is this, this is, is this the way it's supposed to be? And you don't know. I believe truly that that was life.
1: And it was only when I got to the point where I was in so much pain that I didn't want to be alive, that I was like, not everyone can feel this way because we wouldn't be here. And that's when I really started asking for help because I just knew intuitively that it was wrong, that this was not the way that people felt or, but before that, before it reached that crescendo and it was somewhat manageable. Um, I really just thought everyone felt this way all the time.
0: Yeah. And how heavily were you drinking and doing drugs when you were at your worst?
1: I mean, I think that it's, it's, for me it's hard to quantify because my really acute using was very short i mean yeah, i've been yeah. drinking since i was 16 15 you know in high school but um you know i i i hit it fast and i hit it hard and and you know i was not um i was not uh prejudice on on what I put in my body you know I I didn't I didn't care what it was where I got it who gave it to me I just wanted to not feel the way I felt and so I was sort of like a garbage disposal you know I was just throwing things in my body um and there was this fleeing energy this this running you know because the moments where I wasn't sober I would feel it again. And, and that was the main goal was to just be disconnected. And, um, and so it was, it was a lot. It was severe. It was extreme. I, I didn't have any awareness that, like, I didn't understand that there were times in the day where you shouldn't drink. That maybe right, I, right. It, I didn't, I, I genuinely was like, I'm awake. I don't know why I shouldn't have a beer at 7am. Right. And that yeah. was the difference. And I, right. I think, I, I believe that there are, you know, levels of alcoholism that are genetic and that are wired into you, you know, that you just don't, you just have an allergy. You, you your body can't comprehend it. And, and I, I am just somebody who, I am an alcoholic so deeply that I'm, I'm still an alcoholic even in behaviors today. Like I go to in and out and I order two French fries because God forbid, I'm still hungry. Right. There's like and a backup well, back
0: French fries. Yeah. The
1: backup French fries. Right. But I never eat the backup French fries because the one fry is always fine, but I'll always spend the two fifty and get the second fry XS. in the same way that I was like, well, we need the, 35 pack instead of the six pack you know what if we run out and it's the the feeling of just the cup's never going to be full right it's it's, i just need to fill it more because what if i'm still yearning for something and and that's you know
0: it's a hard feeling was there an exact moment where you knew you needed help
1: um, there was, you know, it was sort of an accumulation of moments. Um, but I remember that right before I actually got sober, I had started to try to put up boundaries like, okay, I'm not going to drink this way. I'm not going to drink before this time. I'm not going to smoke this substance, you know, Yeah, I'm not going to buy it. And right. I basically could uphold these quote-unquote rules for two days and at first I was like it's fine it's fine it's fine and you know I had sort of been able to mind palace my way out of thinking that I was hurting people you know they were saying you're hurting me and this is scary and I would just somehow kind of wiggle my way out of taking responsibility for that and being like no, no, it's fine. You're it's your problem. You're upset. I'm fine. You know, I I went into treatment. I went into rehab, thinking yeah. I don't have a problem. But or I knew I had a problem, but I went into treatment thinking it wasn't that bad. I thought everyone was overreacting. And but I I do remember I got sober July seventh, two thousand and thirteen. 14, 2014. 2014. Yeah. Sorry, math. I'm like, how many years uh, <laughs> Six years ago. And um, a couple days before I got sober, um, you know, it just, I couldn't, it, it wasn't fun. It wasn't a good time. I wasn't having, you know, I wasn't partying with friends and just getting out of control. It was, it was feverish and it was fully medicating myself um, because I wasn't properly medicated. Right. And um, I think that, that that, was a really scary place to be in because I justified my behavior because of how much pain I was in. Um, so, so the moment, so the long winded way of answering your question is the moment I recall, um, you know, it was just being hung over I had been lying to my mom. I had been lying to my sisters. I was like trying, you know, you just, you're holding up so many different lies and so many different things. And, and I just had a moment of clarity and I just knew that this wasn't right. And it just wasn't, I needed help. I needed to just figure it out. And, and that was it. That was July 7th. And I called my mom and, and, you know, I said, I need help. I need to figure this out. And I did. And I haven't, done a drug drank since thank you yeah i mean it's it's crazy because it's so ingrained and to get sober so young i mean i've never had a legal drink never will hopefully (laughs) you know i got sober at 20 and um it created a real impact that i'm still unpacking how much it affected me because to make such a heavy life decision so young you know, I was in my early sobriety in my early 20s. And so I was still figuring out while friends are at college and having social experiences, like I was taking this huge step. And, and so now it's kind of equaled out. Um, but it was, it was a hard couple of years just making a decision that, that seemed very counterintuitive to what you think a, a 22-year-old should be doing.
0: And do you believe in inherited trauma? I mean, you talked a little bit about it with- uh... I
1: do, I do. I think that, um, you know, I think we hold the energy of, you know, generational trauma is very real. I think that we hold more than we realize. Um, I think that so many more people are absorbent more absorbent than they realize of their environments. And so even, you know, picking up on parents fighting or people being, I'm, I'm a real believer, particularly with mothers and daughters, that, you know, if you struggle with your body or yourself or the way you look or you have issues with that, that you don't even have to say it. And, you know, not even daughter, son, you know, but children will pick up on that Mm -hmm. and and ingrain that. And that's something that, you know, if and when I become a parent to be very aware of, you know, and and just the way that you speak about things and how you pick that up. And um, so, yeah, I I do very much believe in
0: that. Has it been hard to find the right therapist? Having the right therapist makes all the difference, doesn't it? (laughs) Absolute game changer. I
1: it's taken me a couple tries to do it, and um, I I have a great team around me now, and it's it's completely different. And um, I think that I think that finding a good therapist goes hand in hand with getting to know yourself a little more, because there are some people who truly thrive and succeed with tough love and need someone who's gonna hold them accountable. I am not someone like that. I will shrink into a tiny ball if someone is even remotely, you know, changes their tone at me. Right, and right. so I needed to find someone who was gentle. Also, it took me a while to realize I really needed a woman. Um, that was really important to me. Um, and so I think that you just have to try. I mean, I, I think anyone who has access to any type of therapy is amazing. Just any kind of professional help you can get is amazing because I know that therapy is a privilege, and I know that even choice in therapist is a privilege. And so, um, you know, if you can get your hands on someone who will listen in a professional capacity, that's amazing. You know, but if you do have the room to select someone, I think that having a bit of a better idea of how you operate because I've been in therapy where it wasn't working and I just thought it was and I just continued to do the actions and I was getting nowhere closer, you know, to what I was doing. And and so finding someone who really fits your way of thinking and, and your brain and, and also that it's okay if you tried someone and they don't totally fit you, you know, breaking up with a therapist is very weird. And it's a, it's a very weird thing to do, but it's also very important because it's like any not working relationship. If you stay in it just for the sake of staying in it, who's it benefiting? You know,
0: how did becoming sober sharpen up your creativity?
1: I mean, I, I think it, it busted it wide open because, yeah. you know, for me, my creativity is a direct, um, you know, outlet of my emotions and I was not comfortable holding my emotions. And so when I was forced to confront them six years ago and really sit with my feelings, it allowed this the starting point to sort through, figure it out understand how to hone and see the beauty within a painful moment see the beauty within just how much capacity i have to feel and choosing the medium of clothing and being an emotional person and and wanting to create which i've tried to do and will continue to try to do is create the marriage of the emotional process with clothing you know and and see it as something deeper than a status symbol or just shelter from elements. You know what I mean? Like as a true way of expression. And I think that even starting with the sweatshirts, you know, with some of the slogans on them and, and some of the language that I wanted to put out there was really important to me and really close to my heart because um you know, one of my favorite things we did, it's a sweatshirt that says, you know, I'm uncomfortable on my own skin. And that's a yeah. very honest statement. And I felt like people who were brave enough to buy that, wear that, wear that on the street, wear it into, you know, their home or into a friend's, you know, that, that it would evoke conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's, a, it's a loud statement, but it's a loud feeling also, <laughs> you know?
0: Right. And we're going to talk about more about your line in a second. And you create some of the art for the pieces, right? And so I also read recently that your style inspo was like 90s off-duty ballerina. You have a place yes. where you keep all of these ideas? Are you a mood board kind of person? I'm I'm not.
1: I mean, I. it's crazy. Like, I haven't figured out the way to get it out of my head. It, so it's all bouncing around in my head 24-7 and then I will have an idea and I'll write it on the notes section of my phone. Okay. Um, okay. Love my asking lab- that question. Yep. Right. So my laptop broke seven years ago <laughs> and I never got a new one.
0: You're kidding. And
1: so I don't have a computer and I've just sort of adapted to do everything on my phone. It's like a little. So you know, a computer. I have like insane amounts of photo albums in my phone, like I'm so like a grandma with technology that I'm sure there's a way I could do this so much easier, but it just works for me. So I have like multiple folders on Etsy of like inspiration. I have multiple folders of phone photos. I have, you know, note sections. That's like this idea I had or seeing something and writing it down or let me look at that. You know what I mean? Just to, just to remember it. And, um, so, it's all very haphazard, but I can sort it out. Um, and that's the other thing is, like, I've always tried to fit myself, which is, let's say, a, you know, a round peg in a square hole or opposite. Square peg in a round yeah, hole.
0: Yeah.
1: And in every way, I wanted to be the girl that woke up and went on a hike. I wanted to be the person that, like, made a smoothie in the morning. I wanted to be the person that had a journal where I wrote my feelings and like my ideas and I'll buy the journal and buy the nice pen and then do it for one morning. And then the (laughs) pen and the journal get covered in dust somewhere and I'm back to the phone. And I just, I started accepting where I was at and how I work and that I might just be someone who likes to gremlin on the couch and go on my phone with a hunchback and like design and that I'm, I don't design by sketching. I design by inspiration and I design by curating, you know, pieces from the past and, and reinterpreting. And I also had to accept that that was a style of designing because in the beginning I was like, I'm a fraud. Like I'm calling myself a clothing designer, but I'm not. And, and when I accepted that this was in just my way of expression, and I stopped judging it. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's so much easier. Why am I holding this big backpack of rocks climbing up this hill and I could just take it off? And, like, it's so much easier.
0: And I know you look at fashion and getting dressed as having the potential of being a mood booster. So talk to me about your closet. What does it look like? Do you put a lot of care oh in? Oh, my God. It? My closet is so chaotic right now. I – so –
1: My closet has been multiple different areas in my home. I have this giant kind of bonus room at my place, and it's at the front, and it's, like – it doesn't have a bathroom, so it's not a bedroom, but it's just, like, this giant room. And I've tried to figure out, like, what my closet is. It was – you know, I have two bedrooms. So at one point, my closet was the second bedroom. Then I moved it. Then it was the front room. So – Then we were moving it back. So right now, like, my clothes are in three different places, and it's quite chaotic. Thank God, you know, I'm only in sweatpants right now because getting dressed is kind of a nightmare. But it is the fantasy and the dream to have, you know, the decked-out closet. You're going to feel
0: so good when you get it When
1: I finally figure it out, I've had consults with California closets. I'm, like, excited for you. You know, container store people about what to do and I've, I've brainstormed how to do it, but right now it's about five rolling racks, two, you know, industrial shelving units, and then I had this, like, set of drawers. Like, it's 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 chaos, and... Um,
0: it's fun chaos, though.
1: It's fun chaos, and I love it, and it's my collection, you know, but I'm, I'm constantly going through the closet. I just... Put like half of my clothes into storage bags in the closet that it's kind of become like my archive because they either have been worn too much or we don't need them right now or they, you know, are fragile and need need a pause and um, so it's just constantly evolving. I also think as my you know, I'm very manic and I'm very quick. I, I do decisions very quickly. So that's why I, I shave my head. That's why before I shaved my head, I had bleach blonde hair and I'm very much, you know, hair dictates so much of an outfit, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, sets the tone of yeah. a mood yeah. and, and, um, and so in different stages of what hair I've had, I think it also matches my vibe, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, What's your hair vibe like, now? Oh my god, the hair vibe right now is like a little like Helena Bonham Carter in Fight Club. Oh, that's that's good, which is that's fun, right? But that is it's what also like a weird hacker guy, like beta character in a '90s <laughs> movie. Like it's like I can't really figure it out. Um, a little
0: bit Helena Bonham Carter for sure.
1: It is. So we're just, I, I vowed to myself that I wasn't allowed to dye it after I shaved it because okay. that's why I shaved it. Cause it was so dead and broken. And I loved dyeing my hair. It's my, the smell of dyed hair like soothes me. <laughs> and so I loved having red hair. I love being a redhead. Dylan's a redhead. I imagine our future children to be tiny redheaded angels. And I was like, I must be a redhead for them. But I am banning myself
0: from a hair dye for as get long it, as I can. Keep it healthy. Now's the time. Exactly. Now's the yes. time. Now's the grow time. Grow it out.
1: It's like I always envision people who grow their, like my mom and my sister Scout are like in a war of who can have the healthiest, longest hair. I know. such a thing. It's a fun thing to focus on, isn't it? Well, when, when you are in the game, you're in the race with the long hair. I get yeah. it. I, if I had long hair, I'd probably never do anything to it. But they have the patience that I don't have. I don't. I'm like, I would have chopped it, cut it, <laughs> dyed it. You
0: get hair it. impatient.
1: I <laughs> did hair impatient. and But they have gorgeous hair. So it, it inspires me to have like the healthy non-dyed mane mm. of
0: hair. Now Talulah, you've said you've come, you you came into this world being an observer. Why do you think that is? I think and, that
1: there. And are, how has I, that
0: helped you with Willis?
1: I mean, I think that looking at myself as an observer, I mean that I always felt that I watched absorbed, took in information, then took action, which is funny and contrary to the fact that I'm also very, very impulsive and impatient. So I'm this contradictory person where I just, I'm just taking it all in, in every moment. I'm clocking the feelings of the five people in the room, the dynamics between everyone, is everyone okay? How are they feeling? What's the mood? What's the temperature? But then also being like, I need to do the it's but then I'm an alcoholic. So then I'm like, well, I would like to do the thing, so can we do the thing right now? Let's do the thing today, this moment. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, and with Willis, I think that being an observer helped me make certain decisions. Like, you know, I could have started a clothing line with no thought to inclusive sizing. Right. No thought to price point. I could have made it very, very limited on who could buy it, who could purchase it. Um, but the experiences in my life and the kind of person I am, it was a non-negotiable before the clothes even existing. It was that I knew that I needed to be an extension. I knew Willis needed to be an extension of myself, which I as a person – always want to be a soft, safe landing pad, just a really, really um, kind, gentle soul that just wants people to all feel good. And I really wanted Willis to be that. And, and so I think that those kind of decisions and observations really helped in, you know, put into motion um, you know, certain
0: uh, blueprints for what, what we are now. And how did you know when it was the right time to start this endeavor and create the line? So
1: that really came to, you know, as I've, as I've spoken about, I, I knew I wanted to do it. And then I was like, well, I want to do it right now. How do we do it right now? You know, but I didn't know how to do it. And so the origin point and the timeline really became connecting with Rachel because she knows what's up. And I had all these ideas, but like literally it was like a car that had been revving for 15 years but had no idea which direction it could go. So as soon as I hit the ground and it was like, oh no, this is the process of how you do it. We have the factor, We have the ways like blah, 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 blah. It was like, liftoff you know what I mean and and so I really have to always give so much credit to her yeah. um yeah. you know collaboration of what she brings to the table continually and and shaping my like I always feel like I'm very metaphorical and I'm very visual in how I picture things so I feel like I birth these like screaming wet messy blob babies of ideas that are just like leaking and everywhere and squishy. And then she's like, okay, this is how we clean it up. And this is how we refine it. And this is how we make it happen. I love
0: that. Having that person. Well said. I like that. Thank
1: you. Um, So I'm, I'm so, always so grateful for, for Rach and, and, and how she makes it work.
0: You and Rachel were friends and then you, you know, she was this great, She's somebody who has who is a brand manager. She she builds yeah. brands, um, and so you started to talk to her about your ideas. Were you intimidated at all about getting started? Like you said, you oh started, my god, you had to teach yourself. I mean, I know what that's like. Yeah. You, have, you have to like set your sights on this goal and then and then teach yourself how to get there. Um, but luckily, you had Rachel as a friend and somebody who could help you do that. Absolutely, so, but I was I was quite scared. I was very, very nervous. Um,
1: I had been talking to people for about a year loosely about wanting to start a clothing line at certain dinners. You know, what are you up to? Well, I kind of want to start a clothing line. And, you know, I wasn't like, this is what I'm doing. And I wasn't confident with it, but I I would throw it in there. And I was constantly met with well, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of money, it's the thing, it's the thing, it's the thing. And granted, those things are both true, Yeah. but I was so scared. I felt like everyone had talked me out of it. And I had even talked to like designers and they were like, oh yeah, this is like not fun. This is very, very difficult. And so in the, in the real conception of Willis, I also tried to think about, well, how do I make it work for me? I really wanted to pinpoint what the goal was. And for me, it wasn't New York Fashion Week. It wasn't necessarily having a brick and mortar on Rodeo. I didn't need to be that. That, that was okay. There was a fight for that spot already happening. And I didn't need to be in that what I wanted to do is I wanted to impact people. I wanted to make people feel safe and I wanted to make people feel seen and heard and beautiful. And, and that was the goal. So when I refined that goal and I just started saying and realizing that unless I tried this, I was going to, it was going to nag at me. That's how forever. I am. I get that.
0: Like when you It'll get the just, idea in your head, it's if it, if it, 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 you gotta get rid of it, you gotta You do gotta
1: it. do it. And yeah. I, I I have known and I'm still petrified this is gonna fail and be Doesn't this matter. horrible thing You're doing it. But but I'm trying, I'm trying. And I'm trying to become, you know, someone who can create a sustainable life off of my creativity. I mean, I think any creative wants that, you That's know? Funny um and and it's coming but there's also the awareness that this is it's very rare that something pops off overnight and that you yeah, have to true. nourish it and you have to go with the flow and learn as you go you know what i mean you You.
0: it all it sounds corny but it, it, it is and i have to remind myself of that a lot of the time too is that you have to t- you have to realize that it's about you know who said this to me the other day actually it was, Bob, it was bobby brown Um, who said to me, like, it's about, it's about the day to day. It's about the journey. It sounds very corny, but you can get very, when you're building something, building a business, you can get very caught up in what's the next milestone and how are we, how are we doing and how are we taking it to the next level? And Bobby's like, I always tell young entrepreneurs, she's like, it's, it's the now, like really feel, be present in what you're doing day to day as you're building it, you know? Um, so when you were formulating the concept of mental, you know, mental health advocacy and messaging combined into a line of fashion, it was, it was really because you wanted to infuse yourself into this collection.
1: Absolutely. That was a hundred percent the goal. Um, I wanted to be, I wanted to put my signature on what I was doing without, putting my signature visu- physically on what I was doing. You know what I mean? I yeah. wanted to take Your up imprint. the space of conscious clothing, you know, and people are doing it in terms of sustainability and that's their route. And I felt like, you know, so many, there are so many beautiful, necessary vital issues that are at hand right now so many and I've always felt very uncomfortable speaking out about things that I haven't personally experienced and I don't think that means that they're any less important but it just it never felt authentic for me to really back something that I didn't know and I couldn't talk about and couldn't say I felt it too I've been there and so backing the mental health route you know, is just, it's not, it's also not something that I felt, oh, years ago and I've evolved, like I'm still in it. I'm constant. I'm in my mental health. I, I am depressed. I am, you know, not as depressed. I am depressed again. Like my anxiety is constant. Like I live it every day. And so I think that it keeps me rooted in, like, I'm, how do I put this? Like, I'm on the ground of this issue, you know like i'm I'm in there in the trenches with everybody else and feeling it and and that's where I think it keeps me continually revitalized and how important spreading this messaging is
0: and how do you envision your pieces helping people exactly
1: I mean, I think that I imagine that. 14-year-old, 15-year-old me, and if I had been able to find a piece of clothing that could speak for me. You know, I didn't have the voice to say, I'm uncomfortable. I don't feel good. I, you know, one of my favorite things we did was the, yeah, I'm fine, sweatshirt, you know, And, and it's like, that's it. That's me. I've said that so many times. It's the lying sentence, you know, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, you know, and you're not. And I think I would have felt like I wasn't alone. And that's why I wanted to do it. And I didn't know if people would get it, but I thought maybe if one person did, if one person saw it and said, wow, I'm feeling that way too, you, know, you, you, would, you would just heal that bit of being, I'm so alone in this.
0: Yeah. I know your silhouettes take a cue from vintage styles, but how do you describe your color sensibility?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, colors, I think I love bright, loud colors, but it's also so dependent on my mood because there are days when I'm feeling like I want to be the spec. Like, I remember one time there was an aerial shot of some award show and Rihanna was wearing this like crazy pink cupcake.
0: Yeah, cool I know. What you're yeah crazy
1: dress yeah and she was sitting in the front row and it was like an aerial shot of her second and you could see everyone in the crowd it was probably hundreds of people and you could see Rihanna and it was like that's amazing you know there are days when I want to be the Rihanna and I want to like bust out have that attention on me and there are days when I want to hide in the background and so the days when I want to hide in the background I'm much more drawn to like a muted palette like, kind of a muted pastel, you know, gray-blue, a maroon, um, like, a you know, neutrals, and then there are days when I'm, you know, like, for example, these these are the pants I'm wearing today, and this is one of my favorite colors. It's like a, is
0: showing me like a really beautiful orange silk pant. Why it's length.
1: a tan, It's a tangerine silk pajama pant that I dyed myself. Um,
0: it, it, it it has a very like India India. It's like a color yeah. Color. It's
1: like citrus, you know, sour citrus. Marigold. It's marigold. marigold and. I love it. And um, I love You dyed the them
0: yourself.
1: I did. They were a very ugly color and but they were really nice silk pajamas that I stole from my mom.
0: They're beautiful. I,
1: thank you. My sister is like really big on DIY dyeing and so and she I was I wanna learn
0: how to DIY dye. That's amazing. I can't she believe dyed these Oh colors. my
1: god. It it's so fun. I'm I'm she I'm really bad at it. So these turned out on a fluke, but you know, you get a big plastic tub and you fill it with hot water, and then you get this stuff called like Rit dye. R-A-T. Yeah, Rit. I know.
0: I've I've have dyed a tote bag with Rit dye. Right,
1: and then you just like soak it, but you got to use gloves, and it gets everywhere. It's kind of messy, but it's fun. Um, but you know, um, colors. I think you you gotta you gotta be ready for color because color. Draws people to you. Color says, hey, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to do that, maybe let's stick with a more muted palette. That's also fine and beautiful as well. It just depends on who you want to be today, yeah. you know? And that's the thing is I'm still learning, like, each collection. I'm figuring out who I was then or who I want the Willis girl or person to be, you um, you know, with, with what I'm trying to say. And and we came out of the gate really hot with prints and colors. And, yep, and I yep. think that, you know, then we kind of pivoted for fall into a bit more simple things. And, and it's like, you're figuring out the balance. It goes, it ebbs and flows of like, what am I trying to do? Who am I trying to be? What am I trying to say? And, you know, I've gotten very familiar with the Pantone color selector yeah, Um yeah. You know, and when you're choosing between, like, seven reds and they all look the same and you're like, (laughs) which one is the right one?
0: Which is the the Willis red, right? Which
1: is the Willis red? And then what's funny is I have... I have ma- alarmingly declining eyesight. I have really bad eyes that have gotten worse. Probably been looking at my phone
0: forever. No, it's definitely devices. I'm telling it's you, 100% right.
1: it's 100% devices. Going from
0: device to device, go get cute glasses so they don't get worse Oh,
1: I have a cute pair. Oh, of okay. course. Good. And, but I never wear them. And so I'll be looking at designs like this for the people <laughs> listening. I'm squinting very close to the camera. Um, and then one day I'll wear my glasses at the office and I'll be like, oh my god that's that color like that's what that looks like. Well yes, that's that true. that's
0: kind of what I learned too because I just started like I have this one television where it's like so far and I was like oh I guess I might need glasses at this point or something and I realized you realize that colors are brighter and more vivid when you're right you have the wearing color. the glasses exactly. Yeah. What has been the biggest struggle with Willis and, and what has been the biggest sense of fulfillment? The
1: hardest struggle is the the financials in terms of,
0: yeah, not easy.
1: Well, and not even you know the cost of what we're doing, which you know is its own difficulty. But I asked us to make our price point the lowest it could be where we're not taking a hit, which I
0: think is so absolutely fantastic because how many people with. Your sensibility and style are providing pieces like that at that price point, you know? I
1: mean, that's what I felt. And, you know, I think that what's been hard has been sort of the reaction on social media of people who are upset at where our prices are because you know, being the sensitive little like gooey soul that I am, I want to make everyone happy. I want to, I want to upset no one. And, you know, by virtue of, of the quality of the pieces we're making, this is the price that we have to be at. And I just, you know, it's been hard sitting with some of that criticism Um, I have to sometimes not look at the comments and it's turning, like we're, we're, we're kind of turning people and people are understanding a little bit more of our process and how we get to our prices. But, um, in the beginning it was really difficult and I would take, you know, really personally, um, you know, what people were saying and, that's been really hard for me, I think, is just the criticism um, of, of especially, you know, when I'm trying to create such a link to mental health and my heart is so in the right place. You know, I just I want I I, I have a certain na- naiveness of, well, if I do it, if I'm doing it from a good place, everyone's going to. Everyone's gonna support me and, right, and understand right. it and, and be on my team, you know, right, and that right. world's just not that way. And I should have known that by now, but it still stings and and that's been the hardest part for me and the part. But that I mean, gets what are most. people
0: saying that are what, are, what just
1: kind that of? you know, things are really expensive that we're always you know, gonna
0: say things like that. It,
1: and that's the thing. It's like it's it can be a two dollar bracelet. Yeah, And people, there's going to be the naysayers. So that, and that's what I tell myself. But, you know, on the other side of that, the most fulfilling moment has been um, somebody wrote me on Instagram about one of the sweatshirts and it was exactly what I had set out to do. And they said, you know, I got the sweatshirt because I struggle with mental health and it made me feel seen. And every time I'm having a bad day, I put it on and it helps a little bit. And that was just like, yes, like that is what I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to do it for one person and and there I, you know, ideally more than one person, but that was the bar I set for myself and I got it. And so that was really special. The thing I'm looking forward to most though is walking down the street and randomly seeing someone in
0: my clothes. That's like the next goal. Oh, It's going to happen and you're going to freak out. (laughs) You're going to love it. Um, We talk about price point and the fully inclusive sizing that are both important to the brand how do you design for all sizes? Are there techniques that you use to make sure a piece looks great on all bodies?
1: So we um, we have two fit models, one in extended sizing, one in straight sizing, and we fit each piece um, on both the models. And it's been really wonderful to speak with the models. Um, Tonsu is our um, extended size model, and, and I always, you know, if I'm in the office during a fitting, like, really want to get her feedback you know I don't just look at her as a body that we're pinning clothes on silently like I really like to engage that dialogue of you know in the same way it's never felt comfortable for me to back an issue that I've never felt designing clothes for a body that is not mine is is an interesting element because I know what looks good on me and I know what I feel good in um but I can't know um what it feels like to be in a different body um and so i don't want to assume that this shape or this style or this way is the best way i i I don't know everything and i'm really aware that there are things that i'm learning and um you know rachel has been doing um both straight extended sizing forever for all of her clothing lines and so getting her feedback she really has it, you know, locked in the best way to make that happen? But essentially, and I think why people don't do it across the board, is that you're designing and, and paying for two different clothing lines. So you have to get two different patterns, two different samples, um, fit it two different ways. You don't just, and this is, I didn't know this before it I made is. clothes, but you don't just grade up. It's not like, oh, here's the small, and then you just make it th- you know three size bigger you have to really reconfigure it and
0: the piece uh,
1: and that was an added cost and that was something that was explained to me but I said from the beginning I'd rather have less pieces that more people can wear you know than than have anyone say and I've said it many times if somebody looks at my stuff and just says "eh, it's not for me like great on with your day, no harm. But I never wanted someone to say, "I love that, but I can't." But I can't wear it. it doesn't or fit. It it's pay. too or expensive. I can't, it. it's, I can't pay for it. That was my. That was what I wanted to avoid more than anything.
0: What are you looking forward to doing next with Willis? Anything on deck, or that you're honestly, about? we have
1: so much going on. Um, I'm being introduced to a lot of new ways of how we're doing prints and um, what we can do. Um, I think that I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a shoe gal, Uh, you know, exploring more with the accessories is really exciting. Um, You know, I've also figured out the learning curve of how to speak up, how to do it a little bit differently, you know, where, where, where you say, you know, I just had to do it. You know, And so mm-hmm. I think that this, as it is with clothing, which I'm sure you know, but I don't know if everyone knows, you design like a year in advance. So by <laughs> the time something comes out, you're like, wait, that stuff? Like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't even remember knowing that I liked that, you know? And so it's like the stuff we're making now or that's in the development now i'm so excited for and i'm like okay i gotta wait as i'm impulsive and wanted to be right now instant gratification you know so yeah, it's the waiting not, game yeah. of, of coming out so um you know i'm just we have some really exciting pieces coming up and I'm, I'm really excited to see you know um you know people people following along for the ride and seeing what we can do
0: oh i'm excited oh, to I see guess. the collection evolving especially when you talk about accessories i'm sure they're going to be Fantastic. You touched on this a little bit earlier. Uh, How do you stay so connected to social media, but tune out the bullies and the negativity when it comes your way? Have you learned any tools for straddling that delicate line?
1: Um, I think that one of the things that I really like to do is um, I won't look at the comments. If I put something out there, it's just depending on my mood and my, sensitivity level at the time I will post and then fly away you know um it is an amazing tool for connecting with people especially moments where I've posted more vulnerable things it's also a necessity in having a you know clothing line in this day and age you know we, we don't have um you know you've got to be on it and you got to do it thank you and, um, and so it, it is a necessary tool, but, um, I go, I go in and out of, you know, when it starts to feel creeping in on, on the danger, um, of, of just being, you know, like I'll see a meaner comment and I'll just delete it and then get off there for a little bit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As we wrap up, let's do our lightning round. Current favorite Willis piece?
1: Mm, R.
0: Leonard Jean in white. What are you dreaming of designing for Willis? Like dream piece. I want to make something with cashmere. Ooh. Do you cook? And if so, what's your specialty?
1: No. And... uh. If I had to, I can make a pretty decent fried egg.
0: There you go. That's about it. There, that's great. Uh, what item of makeup have you been grabbing most lately?
1: Gillian uh, Dempsey uh. has these eyelid tints um, in like this kind of reddish rouge color, um, and I, I love it. It's so it's so quick and easy.
0: You change up your hair constantly. We've talked about that a bunch of times. Cuts, colors. What do you condition your hair with?
1: Um, Right now, I'm using um, Aesop conditioner just because it smells so good. Aesop is so good. It's so good smelling. But when I get longer hair, um, well, actually, I don't know. It's a whole new world. I had such damaged hair that I had to use, like, the hardcore, like, yeah, coconut like, oil and Like a mask. Like a yeah. mask. So now I don't even know what to use.
0: Her. You're a big fan of taking baths. Why? And what do you put in the water?
1: Um, I, I just, I go raw, just, just water. Sometimes I'll do, um, well, what I do is in the bath, Tata Harper has the most amazing body oil.
0: I know. So I, I ran out of mine.
1: I know. Um, it's, I mean, I, I, I try to like ration it and then I just like can't and I just freak down for it all over. Um, but I put it on in the bath and then yeah. I soak in the body oil. Um, but I was once told that empathetic people need water. And that need to be in water every day, uh, it kind of washes the day off you and it just resets me a little bit. It allows me
0: to just like take a beat in my constantly overthinking brain. Um, I did not hear that. That's so great. That's interesting. Um, go-to candle for your home. Um, I'm going to pronounce this horribly. Foie de bois
1: by I- de, <laughs> de, bo- <Foie> de bois. de bois. <laughs> I,
0: I think you did it. I think that's it. Um, latest guilty pleasure
1: um there's a donut shop by my place and it's like so gross and bougie it's a four minute walk but post a coffee and donut <sighs> is like my ultimate guilty pleasure because i could just go walk but the laziness of just like sitting there and then eat it like knowing that the donut arrives it's like literally sitting right behind right, me like, it's your this. favorite
0: place and it's being brought to you kettle um, Blaze donuts
1: shout out um in hollywood it's so good it's a maple long john it's like a maple it's just it's amazing um okay
0: uh are you reading anything
1: um oh god i i'm Not reading anything now, but I'm about to reread one of my favorite fantasy fiction series called A Court of Thorn and Roses. It is about elven people doing sexy stuff, and I love
0: it. I love that you love that fantasy fiction. What are you binge watching? Oh, my God. Um, Well,
1: right now I'm rewatching with Dylan, The Matrix trilogy. Mm -hmm um and then so we're in trilogy mode right now we just did we did the lord of the rings uh we're doing matrix and you know but i i'm honestly this and i never thought i would say this if i you know was 20 and heard myself saying this i would you know roll my eyes but i'm too tired to watch tv at night I I, i get it i just i just you know fall i fall right asleep by like nine
0: Favorite film for fashion inspiration?
1: Oh, my God. This is, you know, I've got to say it, but um, one of my favorites is Factory Girl.
0: Mm, and it's, every
1: time I watch it, I'm like, God, I just... I want Because it was so whimsical, you know what I mean? And the proportions and the sparkles and... Um, I mean, there's so many... But but really, fact girl always gets me like itchy for a shift dress
0: after I watch it. Hmm. Favorite way to spend a Sunday evening?
1: Woo, with my dogs and like some really yummy food that Dylan has cooked because he cooks and I don't. And cozy. Like I'm so boring now. I love it. That's all I, I love wanted. it.
0: What's on your nails? They look amazing.
1: Oh, my God. I got, I spent the $15 extra and got, like, the chrome. Oh,
0: chrome.
1: Okay. I I had to get
0: that color from you.
1: A full mani since quarantine. I actually, a girl came for the shoot and did, like, a quickie on my nails, and then that had grown out to, like, half the male and i i posted this like very sexy instagram on halloween kissing dylan and i'm like grabbing his neck and this girl commented and was like dude your nails look i don't know can i curse on this are we like allowed yes she was like your nails look fucking disgusting and i was (laughs) like there's no lie like they look gross because they i don't look at my won't pay attention to my nails and then they get like so long and i just like don't think to go to the nail salon so i force myself to go get a manny uh outdoors. It was an outdoor manny situation. Nice. Um but I i went for the chrome blue and it's I'm really- a, it's
0: like a sort of a minty aqua chromey blue. Aqua it's, it's very cool. Um okay last question. Favorite Thanksgiving tradition. We all go
1: around the table and say what we're thankful for. Um from the year prior and it's kind of becomes a competition of like who can say the most meaningful, deep, articulated sentiment.
0: I love that. that. Thanks so much for being on the podcast.
1: Oh my gosh. Of course. Thank you for having me. Ciao. Bye Bye. Bye.